This episode of Check the Locks is brought to you by our friends at Audible. Audible is your one-stop shop for audio entertainment where you can always find the best of what you love or discover something new. That's right. Audible offers an incredible selection of audiobooks across every genre, from mysteries, thrillers, biographies, and of course, true crime. And as an Audible member, you can choose one title a month from their catalog to keep forever, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. Audible members also get access to thousands of podcasts from popular favorites, exclusive new series, and this very podcast you're listening to now. Plus, the Audible app makes it easy to listen anytime, anywhere. While traveling, working out, walking the dog, doing chores, Audible makes listening anywhere easy. And best of all, Check the Locks listeners can try Audible for free for 30 days. So head over to audibletrial.com slash check the locks or click the link in the show notes to start enjoying Audible today. Warning, Check the Locks podcast is a true crime podcast and may contain graphic descriptions of violence, murder, sexual assault, and more. Check the Locks podcast is not appropriate for all listeners. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Welcome back to Check the Locks Presents True Crime for the Short on Time. As always, I'm John Connor. I'm Olivia Cornu. Saying thank you for joining us this week as we dive into yet another truly terrifying bite-sized true crime case. Olivia, this is our last case before Christmas. We've got a little bit of time off, which is, you know, we don't really do a lot. So it's going to be kind of weird, but super excited for the holiday. I'm all, as always, I'm happy to see you. How are you doing? How was your week been? I'm making it. I'm ready for the holidays to get here and spend time with my family. So I just got to get through a few more working days. How about you? I am right there with you. I ran out of vacation time in like September. So I haven't had like a vacation day since September. So excited to be off for Christmas and have a little bit of a long weekend and then, you know, got the same thing coming with New Year's. So it'll be nice to get time to spend with the family and get a little extra time off work and things like that. So. But other than that, I've been good just shopping. I know last time we recorded, I had to record the episode, edit it and then go to Target. I will be doing the same thing this evening. So I am officially a Target. Extraordinaire. I guess. Yeah, I've been there. Like, I can't tell you the last time I've been to Target. It's been months. They have everything and it's right down the street. So, okay, valid, fine. Yeah. And they're open till midnight during the holidays. At least ours is. So I'm like, let's, let's do it. Take advantage of it. When you're married and have a kid, you don't have a lot of time like during the day when you're working and stuff. So I'm like, I'm just, if I got to go at 11 o'clock at night, that's when I go to Target. So, so don't forget to pick me up something and send it in the mail, you know? Oh, you got it. You know my address. Yeah. I got your address. Your address. Let me just read it real quick on the podcast. It is 777 8675. No, I'm just kidding. But, well, I am super excited to be here. I'm excited to get this uh, episode out. This week is your week. And I went through the notes and you really know how to pick them sometimes that like cut me deep. And this is definitely going to be one of those. So I don't know if we should just quit with the Gabby Gabby, get into the stabby stabby and break down this week's case. What do you think? 
Yeah, I knew when I did this case that I was going to tear at your heartstrings a little bit. And I think if any of our listeners know what really gets John, they're going to know kind of what happens in this case. But I don't even really know how I got down this rabbit hole, I guess. So for this week short on time, I was searching on Reddit for a case when I stumbled across a heading that said, quote, the Reddit post that turned into a horror story. And it immediately caught my attention. So I don't know if you ever use Reddit to look for cases and stuff. I will every once in a while. I'll like I'll take a look at Reddit and see if there's anything, maybe, you know, something I've never heard of before. Because a lot of the times they'll link to articles and stuff, which is always good. But, mm-hmm. you know, when I first started looking at your notes, this kind of hit me as like maybe some kind of like creepypasta a little bit where it was like an Internet folklore or something. Mm-hmm. But then I saw that there was like legitimate sources. And I was like, oh, well, this just makes this so sad. Like, because, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's so much stuff on Reddit and on the Internet where it's like. You don't know what's clickbait, what's real, what's not. Yeah. Like what's made like a made up story. But this has like right. legitimate sources tied back to it. And I was just like, oh, no. So it I don't know. It's going to be rough. So I'm not a big Reddit person. I got on Reddit a little bit like when I was on the TV show and I found that people on Reddit were actually kind of really mean. So I chose to stay away from Reddit for a long time. So I started using Reddit whenever I would be searching for cases for, you know, the podcast. And sometimes you find some cool stuff. Sometimes, like you said, it's all kind of clickbait. You don't know what's real and what's not. But this case starts with the Reddit post in a popular subreddit. And excuse me if I'm using my Reddit terms wrong, but I think they're subreddits. You are correct. It is a subreddit. Okay. So this subreddit was called Relationship Advice. Redditor Jason and Hill, and I'm just using his like, I guess, Reddit name. Yeah, that's his Reddit username. Yeah. Okay. Um, He went to the page seeking advice or there to vent, and he titled the post, I'm a 30-year-old male having a hard time coping with my wife, 29 female, having cheated on me with our neighbor, 51 male. Hard enough to a good start. Yeah, so for the long, for the most part of this episode, I'm going to be reading his initial post. So Jason and Hill said, I caught my wife cheating on me over a year ago. I stayed with her for the sake of our children, but I haven't been able to get it off my mind since. It's been 476 days since I confronted her about it. How do I know? Because every time I catch myself thinking about it, I tell myself it's only been X days. Maybe you won't think about it tomorrow. So to go back to the beginning, I had just taken on a new project and new responsibilities at work. I was working a lot of hours, 60 plus per week, and was noticeably stressed. It was in May of 2015 that I noticed she had added a password to her phone. When confronted about it, she told me it was because she was planning my Father's Day present and didn't want me to ruin the surprise. About a week later, she came to me and told me that she felt guilty keeping a big secret from me and told me that she was having our neighbor, a contractor, build a home office for me as my present. It struck me as odd as in our six years together, she had never said she felt guilty about anything and always insists that she never regrets anything in her life. Time goes on, her phone's still password protected and things just don't feel right. I see her using her phone and smiling to herself more and more often. But when I ask her what she is doing, she says nothing and puts her phone away. So one morning, I wait for her to get in the shower and I grab her phone before it requires the password. I go through her messages and find that she's texting the neighbor. I am all covered in frosting. You want to lick it off? There were no other messages to the neighbor, but I found out later that it was because she had set up her phone to delete messages after a certain amount of time. I felt uncomfortable with it, but I knew she had a perverted sense of humor and I thought she would never do anything to hurt me. 
More time goes by and the neighbor is spending more and more time at our house, but the office is being completed slower and slower. I can't help but worry that something isn't right, so I start checking her location using Google Timeline. It was at this point that I realized there are some large gaps in her GPS history because she was turning off her phone's GPS. Now fast forward to July, and at this point the paranoia is driving me nuts, so I tell her I need to install a new antivirus on her phone. While she has it unlocked for me, I install an anti-theft software so that I can remotely turn on the GPS and set up AT&T Message Backup and Restore so that I can read all of her messages from that point on my computer. The next day, my mother asks to spend time with my two kids, so my wife drops them off with her and has the day to herself. I watch my wife's activity from work as she spends the day trying to meet up with the neighbor, but is unsuccessful because he is busy with another job site. That night, we get the kids back from my mom's house and we go out to dinner with the neighbor, his girlfriend, and his son. My wife and his girlfriend are having a good time drinking, laughing, and joking around. His girlfriend mentions that we should go see Magic Mike XXL. I say it's a good idea. I'll watch the kids so my wife and her can go. So my wife and her go and the neighbor and I go back to the house so the kids can play video games together. The kids are back in my son's room playing games and the neighbor is sitting across from me on the other couch. It is at this point that my wife starts texting him. She is describing sex acts she would like to perform with him and he is reciprocating. She tells him to check his Snapchat, and at the same time, I get a Snapchat from her too, and it's her masturbating in a bathroom stall. They keep talking, trying to figure out when they can meet up and have sex. They decide on Monday morning after I go to work. So in my head, I had already planned to pretend to leave and circle back to catch them. But then they tell each other they love each other, and it's all I can do not to leap off the couch and knock him out. But I contain myself and continue reading the conversation unfolding in front of me. Then he tells her, you're my girl now, to which she replies, always have been, ending with him writing, and always will be. My wife and the neighbor's girlfriend return from the movies and I ask them politely to sit down. I then ask the kids to stay in my son's room and shut the door. I return to the living room and confront my wife and the neighbor. I say, so you two love each other, huh? My wife goes into full-blown denial mode and the neighbor's girlfriend starts smacking him. I ask my wife if she's been texting him and she says no. So I show her the text messages. She admits to it but says it's the first time it had gone that far. I ask my wife if she has sent him pictures. She says no. So I show her the picture. She admits it but says it's for the first time. I ask her if she's having sex with him and she says no. Because I didn't wait to catch them having sex together, I didn't have the evidence to prove her wrong, so that one stayed unsolved. I tell her that I'm leaving her. She tells me that she will make sure I never see my kids again if I do. She planned on using the fact that I had attempted suicide in high school to prove me unfit to have the children. She continues to say that it was my fault for being so busy with work and stressed out that she just wanted someone she could talk to. Then she gives me an ultimatum to decide what I'm going to do or she will decide for me. The neighbor's girlfriend starts defending the two of them, saying that it couldn't have been serious if they weren't having sex and that my wife and I are too perfect together to let this break us up. The neighbors go home and my wife and I argue for the rest of the night about what we're going to do. We go to bed separately, having not resolved anything. We keep going back and forth on the subject all weekend and finally settle on we were going to separate temporarily while we figure out what we want. I was going to stay in the house and she was going to take the kids and go to her mom's house. 
That Monday, I go to work and I get a text from her in the middle of a meeting with my bosses stating that she had explained things to our kids, but that they were upset and I needed to explain it to them also. I get home from work to find my kids crying. She had told them that mommy had to move out because dad was mad at her. When my son wanted to stay with me, she told him that he can't. My son put it together that if mommy has to move out because I'm mad at her, he must move out then. I must have been mad at him too. My daughter was crying because my son was. I don't think she's old enough to understand what was happening. It was at that moment I realized she was going to drag the kids through hell if I let her, so I swallowed my feelings and begged her to stay. She agreed and insisted that I apologize to our neighbor since we were still going to need to hang out with them because our sons are good friends. I hate it, but I do it anyways. We still hang out with them from time to time and they come to our various birthdays and holiday parties, but I do anything for my kids and I behave civil every time. Things die down for a while. I still think about it constantly. I worry how can I keep from making her so unhappy that she cheats on me again. Then almost a year from the original incident around Father's Day again, she sends him pictures yet another time. She claims it was an accident and that she meant to send them to me instead. I don't fully believe her, but I move on anyways. Things have been quiet on that front for about four months now, but I still think about it constantly. This is going to sound stupid, but I feel like I have a part of my brain that I can't shut off that's always thinking. I used to use that to solve programming problems, and it made me very good at my job. But ever since this incident, the only thing I think about is her and him, and if I did the right thing. My job performance has suffered, and I feel like I haven't gotten sleep in months. I'm afraid that after this much time and the fact that I begged her back, that to say I want a divorce now would only make her more vindictive towards my children and I. I just feel like I've put myself so deep in a hole that I can never get back out. I haven't really talked to anyone about this. I didn't want to talk to my mom about it because I feel she would treat my wife differently and I didn't need the two of them fighting any more than they already do. I tried talking to one friend about it, but his advice was to put my trust in God, but that was not much solace for me as I am an atheist. So I have no clue what to do with my feelings or how to move on from this. All right, John, we're going to take a quick little break. That was the initial post. It's a yeah, lot. I've got a lot of feelings about that post. Um, do you want to talk about them now or you want me to keep going for a bit? No, let's, let's talk about the post for a second because okay. I am someone... I've made this very clear, like the infidelity is not something that I stand for. Me neither. So as soon as I saw that first text message about licking off icing, Mm -hmm. I would have been in the bathroom, whipping open the shower curtain and being like, what's this? (laughs) Like, let's talk about it. And if I think that you're lying, like we're done. Because to me, it's not even necessarily the the cheating aspect, but it's the, now I can't trust you. Yeah, You know what I'm saying? Like, Mm -hmm. I, I don't know who you are and now I can't trust you and you're not the person that I thought would do this and it turns out you are and there's no way that I would be like begging anybody to come back and if whoever I was with told my kids that I would be very upfront with my oldest child and be like your mommy hurt your dad slept with someone else yeah I don't even know if I would go because depending on the age of the kid now the kid's a teenager I'd be very upfront this is what happened if it's a younger kid, I'd be like, you know, your mom did something to hurt your dad. And I'll tell you about it when it's older, but I love you and you can stay here. You don't ever have to go anywhere, but I wouldn't be doing this. Like 
okay, we'll come back. And you know what I mean? And we certainly wouldn't be friends with the neighbors when it was all said. No. Okay. Sorry. The little Johnny, they're not coming to the party anymore. Yeah. No. Kids move on. Yeah. Not anything I would play a part in. Now, that being said, I understand that not everybody is like me. Right. So that's not me, you know, putting this Reddit user down or questioning why I did anything. I just don't operate like that. But I think what frustrated me as you were going through was that I got a sense that he was being very much manipulated and the kids were being used. And that's where I'm like, you get manipulated and that happens if you allow it to. So you have to be like, this is what's going to happen. And I've got an attorney and like, we're going day one. You know what I mean? Boundaries. Like you're going to have boundaries. Yeah. So my heart is broken for the kids and I, you know, feel bad for the, the Reddit poster. You know, it's just not a good situation all the way around. Yeah. I can't say also, you know, I feel like I'm glad he found this as like an outlet to like talk about it. But as someone who, like I said, has gotten, you know, negative feedback from social media and things like that, like this isn't a place that I would go to get advice on what I think I really need because I feel like too many people will get involved and give too many different opinions and just kind of cloud the water a little bit more. So I don't know if he saw it more as like just like um, an internet journaling where he just needed to get it off his chest. And he was like, you know what? I'll go to Reddit. Or if he truly wanted the feedback from people. Yeah. I don't know if it is because, you know, it doesn't sound like he has a lot of friends, not a lot of people that he can go to. And he didn't, you know, he says very clearly he didn't want to get his family involved. So this, you know, Reddit is a place where you can be anonymous. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So you can go and just be like, this is what's going on. This is a situation. And if, you know, People do want to leave comments or, you know, feedback. They can. You have the choice of whether or not you read it or take it seriously. But I'm sure for someone who feels like they don't have a support system, especially if your wife, you know, was the person that you thought was your support system, it probably feels good just to be like, I poured it out and now it's out somewhere where people can read it. And I'm not the only one who knows this, you know? Right. Well, this post received a lot of attention. Redditors like Jason and Hell gave advice. Some suggested he get a divorce. Few posts claiming his wife had mental illness and he needed to leave the relationship. Others shocked that he begged his wife to stay and apologized to the neighbor. He would reply to some of the comments over the course of a few weeks. On November 1st, Jason and Hell gave an update to the original post stating, Instead of trying to fix something she doesn't want to fix, she has refused counseling several times in the past before this even happened. I'm going to get myself and my kids out. I meet with an attorney next week. Thank you, everyone, for helping me see how far I had my head up my ass. Now, most of the comments were celebrating Jason and Hill, congratulating him on his decision and protecting his children. The post eventually went mostly quiet. Redditors believed that Jason and Hill had moved on and there was no more to the story. What they didn't know was that on November 16th, 2016, Jason and Hell, a.k.a. Jason Worley, would file for divorce from his wife, Brandy Worley. That same day, the soon-to-be exes went to a dance program with their three-year-old daughter, Charlie, and had dinner together at their home with their seven-year-old son, Tyler. Jason spent the evening playing with his children. He would bathe them and put them to bed, telling them, I love you and I'll see you in the morning. He proceeded down to the basement as the couple were no longer sharing a room. A few hours later, Montgomery County Police in Indiana would receive a startling 911 call at 4.35 in the morning. 
Brandy Worley was on the other end. She told dispatch, I just stabbed myself and I killed my two children. The dispatcher questioned Brandy to confirm that what she had heard was real, to which Brandy replied yes. She was slurring her words. She reported that she also took several Benadryl. The conversation continued and Brandy stated her children were dead on her daughter's bedroom floor. She explained that her husband had filed for divorce earlier that day and wanted custody of their children. She said, I don't want him to have my kids. Now, prior to the 911 call, Brandy called her mother telling her what she had done. Frantically, her mother told her to call 911 and rush to the Worley home. When she arrived, she was devastated to find that her grandchildren were both dead. Screaming in shock, this awakened Jason, who was asleep in the basement. Rushing upstairs, he was met by his crying mother-in-law. Brandy was sitting close by and told him, now you can't take the kids from me. Brandy had also stabbed herself in an apparent suicide attempt. She was taken to the hospital and survived. I'm going to spare the details of how she tricked her kids into thinking they were having a, quote, sleepover. Um, but I will say that she first brought Tyler into Charlie's room, from there stabbing Tyler first and then little Charlie before turning the knife on herself. Brandy was arrested and charged with murder. She was found guilty and received death sentences for each child. She received 55 years for her son and 65 years for her daughter, a total of 120 years without the possibility of parole. Throughout the case, Brandy never appeared remorseful for what she had done. As for Jason, he ended up creating a new Reddit name, Jason in Code. He told the Reddit community to always take the time to be with the ones you love because you never know what time will be the last time. Always make sure they know how much you love them. I had the fortune that the last thing my children ever heard me say was, I love you. Good night. I will see you in the morning. So that's this week's case, John. It's awful. It's awful. Kara and I take turns giving Millie bath, you know, mm -hmm. and every night, even if Kara's the one laying with her, I go in there and I tuck her into bed. And there's this uh, book called the book with no pictures. And there, you know, at one point, one of the words is like Badoongi face and then boo-boo butt. So every night before we go to bed, I say, I love you, Badoongi face. And she says, I love you, boo-boo butt. And that's, mm -hmm. you know, so just thinking about what it has to feel like to tuck your kids into bed and to give them a kiss and you lay down just thinking that you're going to wake up and tomorrow's just going to be another normal day and you wake up just to find that that's all stolen from you and your wife did it, it's just, it's heartbreaking, you know? And I just, I mourn for these kids and the life that they're not going to get to have. And like the fear they must have been experiencing and like the confusion as to why mom is doing something to hurt us mm -hmm. is terrifying and sad and heartbreaking. And I'm trying not to tear up because it's, it's hard. Like it's, that's why I didn't go into the details because it, it was, it wasn't, it wasn't good. I, like out of, I mean, obviously Brandy had mental illness. You don't do something like this without suffering from mental right. illness, but that mental illness causing you to do something just to spite somebody else. Cause that's what it is. It's like, I don't mm -hmm. want you to have the kids. If, if I can't have them, you can't have them. So no one can have them. I don't know. Like, I just, I love my daughter more than anything in the whole world. You know, I would jump in front of a train to make sure that she was safe like, without even thinking about it. You know, it would just be second nature. And 
So to know that there are monsters out there like this, it's just, it's terrifying. It, it, it makes my skin crawl. It makes me sick to my stomach. And I'm just, I'm heartbroken for Jason and his children. Cause just, just a loss that we've talked about it before, but that has to be a loss that feels almost impossible to come back from. And I'm sure that a lot of people who have lost children don't come back from it. I don't know. It's hard. I mean, I know where I'm at for the deadbolt test, 110%, but what are you thinking about it? I mean, when I clicked on the link, this is not what I was anticipating. You know, you never know what you're going to get. And then when I read the post and if you go on to Reddit, you can search this title and you can read more of the comments of what people were saying and, you know, dive more in, like more into the case and you can read about how the kids were killed. But I think it was just interesting that, you know, he came back and he updated the Redditors like I'm leaving her like, thank you all for the support. It was almost like he truly needed them. And then for Redditors to find out what had happened to him, they almost felt guilty because some of them like we encouraged him to leave her and to get a divorce. And I'm sure that he has gone to therapy or I hope that he has to work through like, this isn't your fault. You stood up for you and your children and what was right. And someone incredibly terrible did something to you. And like, no way is this Jason's fault. No, not at all. And I mean, we talk about it all the time, like marriages statistically just don't work out. You know, I'm people get divorced and right. I mean, you know, I, I think your cir- circumstances were a little bit different. Very, different, very different, you know, but I think, you know, people get married. You are different people or you're trying to be somebody that you're not or you just grow apart or, mm-hmm. you know, things happen. Right. And that can happen without you having to murder your spouse or murder Mm. your children or so many of the cases that we talk about instead of people just being like, okay, this didn't work. I'm out. Let's do this amicably. You know what I mean? Yeah. Let's just go our separate ways. We're adults. We grew apart. I got respect for you, but I'm out the door. Right. So you want to jump into the deadbolt test? Yes. A 10 dude. I figured it would be for you. As soon as I got to the end of it and heard what happened, I was like, Oh, John's a hundred percent going to be on a 10. It's a 10 and like, not that I ever worry about anything like this happening to me. Like I feel like if my wife had any kind of mental illness that would hint to something like that happening, I would have seen that. And I do think throughout the case, right. When we're reading the Reddit post and how he's describing her behavior, if that's accurate, I do think there were some hints there that there was some underlying when you're telling the kids like, Dad's mad at me, so that's why we can't stay here and yeah, you can't stay here. Yeah, and they're three here. and seven. Right. You know, they're not 10 and 14. They're three and seven. Three doesn't even understand. No, and I mean, at that point, they were probably two and six. You know what right. I mean? So they're even younger, you know? So I think there was some warning signs there, but even with warning signs, I don't think you, I don't think your brain can say, well, like, this is what could happen. You know what I mean? Like, I don't I think anybody ever thought that it could get worst case scenario. Yeah. I mean, even in worst case scenario, I'm like, worst case scenario, she does like a super long custody battle and tells the kids I'm awful. That's like worst case scenario. And like, this is like seven layers of hell bad. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So it's a 10. Like, this is one of those things I know that for the next, you know, however many days I'm going to look at Millie and I'm going to think about this case and it's going to choke me up, you know? So it's, it's, it's a 10. What about you? Where are you putting it? I'm sorry I did that to you on around Christmas time. No, that's okay. This just makes me grateful for and grateful that I have 
a wife that would not do that. And I have a healthy relationship and I guess I just mourn the loss of these kids. And I celebrate Jason for in the face of tragedy, he's still trying to encourage other people to be good and to appreciate what they have in the moment. You know what I mean? Cause I feel like it'd be so hard not to go the other way. I'm going to put it at a 10 as well. You know, this is just devastating to me. And again, when I clicked on the link, I never thought I would get what I got, but it was, it was just devastating as I read more and more and just the realness and the rawness in his initial post and that he just truly needed support. And he felt that he was doing the right thing. And I truly do feel that he was doing the right thing. And such tragedy struck because he stood up for himself and his children to do what was right for them. So definitely a 10 for me. Yeah. Merry Christmas, everybody. No, I was just kidding. Sorry. <laughs> no. What happens just, when you listen to a true crime podcast a few days no, before I'm, Christmas? I'm just kidding. No, I wouldn't expect anything else. And, you know, again, uh, it was a, a really good case. And, you know, when I say really good, right, it's like. It was just different. It was interesting. Yeah. you know, Our none listeners of the, know us. Yeah. None of the cases we do are good, but it's. But it's always like a little bit surprising when one of us comes with a case that the other one has never heard of. You know what I mean? And I think that's what I mean. Where it's like, man, I've never heard about this. And I'm surprised I haven't heard about it because it's heart wrenching. And, you know, I think just with the holidays being here, it's going to, like I said, when I look at Millie, I'm going to feel grateful, you know, and I'm going to try to focus on the the positive stuff. Like I feel like Jason, you know, would have encouraged us to do, you know, so. I think with that, it kind of lines up pretty well. You know, be be grateful for the people that you have in your life and the time that you have with them. Yeah. And everybody, whatever holiday and anything you do during the holidays, just let your loved ones, your friends, your family, people you care about, let them know that you care about them because you never know what people are going through. And the world could use a lot of love right now. I tell Olivia that I love her every once in a while. We'll be on the phone and be like, all right, dude, love you. I'll talk to you later. Love you. (laughs) <laughs> he's like oh i'm sorry i'm sorry no. i remember the first time only like, the oh. first time only the you're first like time. oh we're at the uh we're at we're <laughs> at that stage of the friendship now so got it but yeah. i tell my friends i love them i like, know i do i'm just that person people well, be like who are you talking to i'm like oh my best friend yeah yeah i tell everybody i have a friend shout out sutton he listens to the show but i make him tell me that he loves me because he's not good at expressing his emotions so I'll be like, I love you, dude. I'll see you later. And he'll be like, bye. And I said, I love you, dude. I'll see you later. And he's like, I love you too, man. I'm like, all right. That's what I'm talking about. Sounds like me and my grandma. You're like, I love you. And she's like, click. Yeah. Call her time. back. I'm like, I try to tell, I, we used to, I used to do that to her all the time. And I was like, you know what? Whatever. I've done that so. to to my friend Sutton. I'm like, I love you, dude. And he'll be like, uh, yeah, talk to you later. And he'll hang up and I'll call him back and I'll be like, I said, I love you, dude. He's like, I love you too, man. And then he hangs up. <laughs> I know that he feels that I just need to get the validation. You know what I'm saying? Right, right, right. Some of us just need to hear it back. Well, that is where we fall in the deadbolt test for this week. Olivia and I are both putting it at a 10, but we need to hear from the locksmiths, the listeners, where does the story of Jason Worley and his family fall on your deadbolt test? You can let us know. Reach out to us on Instagram and check the locks pod. Find us on Twitter and check the locks. And if you're not in our Facebook group, come hang out with us. We would love to get to know you, spend a little bit of time with you. And normally this is the part where we talk about Patreon. If you want to go over to Patreon and check it out and help us keep the lights on, you can definitely do that at patreon.com forward slash check the locks. But like we were talking about in the beginning of the episode, this is our last episode before the holiday. Uh, Again, we will be back in between Christmas Day and New Year's Day, but just wanted to take a moment to let everybody know we appreciate you. 
We love you. Thank you for being part of this family, this community with us. And uh, Olivia, I know you feel the same way, but we just want to wish you a very happy holiday. And again, if you're spending time with loved ones, family, friends, hug them, give them some love, let them know that they're important to you because we're not promised a lot of time on this earth. And it's important that the people that we love know that we love them. So Olivia, anything you want to add to that? Yeah, just we we do appreciate y'all. We are nobody without our listeners and we love and we try to support and be a part of our listeners' community and lives and get to know them. And so this podcast is nothing without y'all. So thank you. Happy holidays. And yeah, we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, that's all that we have for this week's case. But please make sure that you're subscribed to Check the Locks on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. We will be back after Christmas with an all new truly terrifying bite-sized true crime case but until then don't forget to check the locks see ya in a little while merry christmas have a great holiday jingle bells jingle bells jingle all the way